are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. Today on the show, taking a little dip into day two of the 2021 NFL Draft. Looking forward to whittling away at the list a little bit. Lots of candidates. The Dolphins currently scheduled for three draft selections on day two of the 2021 NFL Draft. Picks number 36, 50, and 81 with the potential to add more depending on how the Dolphins choose to attack the first round. Who are the players that we need to stay away from, be leery of, be hesitant of, hope maybe would be there on day three instead? Lots of great draft talk on today's show, but first, some observations. Will Fuller met with the South Florida media yesterday, very much has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Will Fuller, based on the production that he had before he received the six-game suspension, which he addressed with the media, said it was a one-time thing, complete accident as far as what he took, won't happen again. But Fuller, the pace that he was on, would have netted him, if not for the salary cap reduction, a very, very, very handsome contract. And he still may have gotten a very, very handsome contract, even with the six-game suspension that he has since served five games of uh, for PED violation. But, alas, the league salary cap reduction did happen, and therefore Will Fuller is in Miami on a one-year $10 million deal with an extra $3 million in incentives, And in talking with the South Florida media, I got a little juiced. I got a little excited. Will Fuller coming out openly talking about having something to prove, being eager to prove to the Miami Dolphins and the NFL what he is capable of, mentioning the potential of proving his worth for a long-term resolution with the Dolphins has me excited. And I'll tell you what, if Will Fuller ends up costing Miami $13 million, that will mean he is worth every penny because he will have hit his performance escalators. And if he does that, you can be rest assured Miami will probably be working on that long-term contract with Will Fuller. What he said, I'm super excited to be here in Miami. I feel like I wanted to take a one-year deal just to prove my worth to the league. I had my fair share of injuries and I've been working really hard. I just want to prove to the NFL and to the Dolphins for taking a chance on me that I'm a player that they would love to have long-term. I'm out here in Houston finishing my off-season program and doing my workout stuff here. I'm almost done, so I'm looking forward to getting off to Miami as soon as possible and in contact with Tua Tagovailoa. I've already spoken with him on the phone and texted with him. We're setting things up to go over there in Miami and throw, so I'm excited about that as well in the near future coming up soon. Let's freaking go. Will Fuller. Houston Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins. Ask Will Fuller to step into the primary receiver role on the team. And he obliges with being on pace for like 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns before he gets suspended. And now, Houston lets him walk out the door for a whole bunch of nothing while they're signing a bunch of schleps onto their roster for their rebuild because they're quite clearly tanking. Seriously, you could look at the list of like the 25 dudes that Houston signed, and you can take their combined salaries, and you can ask yourself, okay, you could take any five guys 
out of this list of 25 names, add up their salaries, it'll equal $10, $13 million, somewhere around what the Dolphins paid for Will Fuller. And the question can be asked, would you rather have those five guys that Houston signed or take the same amount of money and bring back Will Fuller? And the answer, no matter what combination of five guys you'd come up with, would be, yeah, we're going to take Will Fuller. Because Houston's Houston is in for an ugly, ugly year. So for Fuller to be chomping at the bit to come down and throw, and we saw, thanks to Jakeem Grant, Tua Tagovailoa has been throwing with Jakeem Grant a whole bunch recently. And that's my last observation. Uh, before we get into the blacklist candidates for the Dolphins on day two, the Dolphins have a numbers game issue transpiring at wide receiver that we're going to have to figure out here. They re-signed Mac Hollins yesterday. Don't hate that signing. Matt Collins is a really reliable special teams guy for the Dolphins. But start doing the math. You got Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson's coming back, Alan Hearns is coming back. The Miami Herald has a report that both of those two guys coming back from COVID opt-outs are a part of the Dolphins' plans going into training camp this year. You have Lim Bowden Jr. You have now Matt Collins. You have Jakeem Grant. You have Malcolm Perry. You have Will Fuller. You have Robert Foster, who the team just signed. So the numbers gave that. That's 10 receivers. Before the draft, 10 receivers. So I don't necessarily know what the intention here is. I don't know if the plan and the anticipation is we're not going to make moves in the wide receiver room until we know what kind of receivers we're able to draft. I don't know if they're holding out trying to get somebody on a trade situation to free up some cap space. I don't know. But what I do know is if you were, like me, hoping to see the Dolphins come out of the 2021 NFL draft with two at a minimum wide receivers drafted, I don't know that it happens right now unless... The Dolphins get closer to the draft and they say, okay, you know, we're, we're going to flush the system now. We're going to make some changes. We're going to clear out some cap, yada, yada, yada. But as we're like, the Matt Collins one really caught me off guard because it's like, wow, geez, okay. Like, I thought for sure we'd have a defensive back take those special teams reps on kick coverage and we'd get Mac out of here and get somebody else into the picture. But here we are, and they just re-signed Matt Collins on a one-year deal. And I don't dislike Matt Collins as a special teams guy. I don't want to say him playing a high volume of offensive snaps. But the numbers game is something to keep an eye on with the wide receiver room as far as what the Dolphins' intentions are in the draft as far as do you feel like you're one guy away now with player development for some of the young guys like Lynn Bowden? Are you going to bank on Preston Williams again? Are we going to put any eggs in the Jakeem Grant basket again after yet another year of durability issues for both of those guys? I'd be super apprehensive. And you're not going to carry nine wide receivers on the team. You're just not. So the Dolphins have 10 as things currently stand. Who are the odd men out? Remains to be seen. Something to keep an eye on. Something else for you to keep your eye on. Built Bar. We have been preaching the gospel on the world's best protein bar, Built Bar, for quite some time here on the Lockdown Network. Amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, 
amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on each and every bar. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar flavor is the best with Built Bar Madness. If you want your voice to be heard, you want to follow along, go to BuiltBar.com or go to Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won each matchup in the buildup to crowning the best tasting flavor of the world's best tasting protein bar. So let's get into some blacklist candidates for the Dolphins. I think there's an important distinguishment to make. Every player has an appropriate value. Every player has a value that you should feel comfortable with, and the risk is worth the reward. So as we name some of the names that you're going to hear on this blacklist candidate on day two targets for the Dolphins, please bear in mind if this means the Dolphins come back and get this player at a later point in time, then I'm going to dislike it. There's going to be very few players knowing what we know about how the Dolphins choose to attack the draft and what they like in certain players at certain positions. There's going to be very few players that I'm just going to absolutely positively abhor the pick and say, well, they really dropped the ball here. So bear that in mind. Uh, But with the expected draft valuation of some of these players, yes, there are some blacklist candidates that I would not be interested in for their respective price. One such player is Rondale Moore, wide receiver from Purdue. He checked in at five foot seven, uh, listed at 175 pounds. He reportedly ran 429, jumped 42 and a half inches in the vert. But I look at what the Dolphins have. I look at what the Dolphins need. I look at Rondale Moore's usage trends at Purdue. He's gotten more simplified each and every year he's been in in the Big Ten with the Purdue Boilermakers. And he had this weird, like, not playing the first half of the abbreviated season, and they really didn't, like, go into details, and then they said it was a hamstring, uh, not fully hailed from the hamstring issue that cost him the final eight games of 2019. So if it was a hamstring, like, a big red flag there. But you take, he's expected to be a top 50 pick. You're talking 5'7", sub-180 probably with playing weight. Yes, he's super explosive. But how many other explosive options do you have in this year's draft? And I think that's the distinguishment to make. If you're going to take an explosive player on day two, I would rather have Diami Brown from North Carolina. I'd rather have Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. I'd rather have Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Amari Rogers from Clemson. These are all guys that are kind of somewhat cut from the same cloth as far as they have some explosiveness to their game. Diami Brown is more of a true outside vertical guy. But you look at Elijah Moore, Dwayne Eskridge, Amari Rogers. These are all guys who are slippery in the slot. Kadarius Toney is a first-round player of the same mold. Rondale Moore is expected to go top 50, and it's like, why would you draft a guy who's played in like seven games in the last two years and can't stay healthy and has the limitations that he has? Now, if Rondale Moore ends up sliding and you draft him at 81, yeah, it's going to be great value. But if you're talking a top 50 pick and I'm the Dolphins, I need guys who are available 
because the Dolphins wide receiver room has been anything but available for quite some time. There's not a lot of consistency with durability and health, being able to play through injuries. So count me out on Rondale Moore as a second-round pick for the Dolphins. If the team was in different circumstances, maybe, but not with a team that sees Devontae Parker and Will Fuller and Preston Williams and Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant. Like, you get the point. Like, all these guys constantly have something. Their durability and availability is not clean. So, therefore, I want somebody who I feel gives me a better chance to play as much as possible. As I look at the running back position, we'll kind of take this position by position. The day two candidates are, the the closer we get, the more I feel Javante Williams is going to end up going in the first round. So, like, you can kiss him at 36, goodbye. You might have the best chance to get Travis Etienne. In the second round. Uh, Najee Harris, three down skills. I I think Miami, I think there's a lot of writing on the wall there. And Miami would have to worry about teams like the Jets and Steelers kind of plucking him uh, between those two picks. I've heard of at least one team that's like head over heels for Javante uh, that has a first round pick. So there you go. I whittled the field by, what, two teams, three teams. I'm not overly interested in the other two general consensus day two backs, which are Michael Carter from North Carolina and Kenneth Gainwell. Michael Carter, for the main reason that he's a lot of what the Dolphins already have in Miles Gaskin. He's 5'8", 202. He's dense. He's a good pass catcher. He's got good quickness, but he doesn't run with a lot of power. He's not really effective in between the tackles, so it's like, okay, we're going to spend a day two pick on the guy that we already freaking have on the roster that had almost 1,000 yards from scrimmage last year? No, thank you. A little bit more twitchy and explosive than, than Miles? Sure. But I'm out on him and then Kenneth Gainwell, who's 5'11", 191 pounds as his listed height and weight, and that size is just not going to cut it for Miami. Miami needs a thumper. Miami needs a guy who could play physical and take a pounding and and touch the ball 250-plus times. The interior offensive line group is at least interesting. Uh, We assume Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a first-round pick. I would assume everybody else after him is probably available, so you're talking Landon Dickerson, Creed Humphrey, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers from Ohio State, Trey Smith, the guard from Tennessee, Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater, Aaron Banks from Notre Dame, Ben Cleveland maybe from Georgia. I think there's plenty of day two interior offensive linemen. And the good news is, generally speaking, I like Miami's options here. Would I use a top 50 pick on Quinn Miners? Probably not. If somebody else wants to pay that price, I would probably let them. Uh, A D3 kid who didn't play football in 2020, and I understand he had a great showing at the Senior Bowl, but to to use that premium of a pick just feels like a a little bit of a high-risk roll of the dice for a position that, if you're the Dolphins, you ideally want to see a plug-and-play start. 
But I like the rest of the options. You like Dickerson? Yeah. Absolutely. Creed Humphrey? Yeah, absolutely. Josh Myers? 81? Yeah. Trey Smith? I think he's him and Solomon Kinley would be a nasty guard duo. Nasty guard duo. Ben Cleveland, same thing. Ben Cleveland, 6'6", 354. Looks like the mountain from freaking Game of Thrones. Trey Smith, 6'5 and a half, 331 pounds. Don't play him at tackle. Tennessee tried to play him at tackle. It's a waste of time. Just throw the tape away. He's a guard. Wyatt Davis had a down year at Ohio State. Uh, he's probably the one, if he ends up getting drafted where his expectation is, uh, he's the one that might disappoint you the most early on. But if you can get him back to his 2019 form, I think he, he was a, an absolute bruiser and a really good interior offensive lineman. So the good news is the, the we want a center. You're going to have options, and I'm not uncomfortable with any of them on day two. Also not uncomfortable with getting a little skin in the game with my friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football season may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real time updated odds and props on just about everything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds and is the best way to place your bets. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. The edge group gets a little dicey uh, because I think the Dolphins have some qualifiers here, and we're going to have to filter and sort these guys into a couple different groups like rush linebackers versus hand in the dirt guys. The guys who are expected to be around on day two, maybe Greg Rousseau, Jason Oway from Penn State. Joseph Asai from Texas, Joe Tryon from Washington, Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma, and then you get into the Carlos Bashams of Wake Forest and Peyton Turners of Houston and Cameron Sample from Tulane, Jordan Smith from UAB. There's a lot of options from Edge Rush Group. So who are the guys who I just don't think fit? I think Hamilcar Rashad from Oregon State is probably one that won't check the boxes that the Dolphins won. I don't think he has the blend of either the first step or the pop in his hands that the team is, is going to look for. Quincy Roche is a tough sell uh, given his stature at 6'3", 243. I think he's a little bit better fit for some of these wide nine and wide angled and uh, more space to operate instead of close quarters combat. Those would be the two that I'm most apprehensive for that, like, I can't put in a bucket. Joseph Asai from Texas, uh, explosive. I think if you play him at the rush linebacker role, you can get away with him. But if you're going to ask him to play with his hand in the dirt and be an outside rusher who can play head up on offensive tackles, I think you're setting him up for failure. So I have some apprehension with Asai unless you're going to play him in the Van Ginkle rush roll, uh, which I, I think feasibly he could do, uh, but that's a little bit more of a messy projection. From a physical standpoint, Jason Owe is probably the best fit from Penn State redshirt sophomore, 6'5", 257, room to grow, great length, kind of physically looks like an Emmanuel Agba type. The problem is he's super raw. 
like super raw as a pass rusher. If you're drafting a guy who's going to give you pass rush upgrade, you ain't going to find it. Not in year one with Owe. Uh, his sack production at Penn State is not impressive at all. I think Gregor Rousseau, if he's there at 36, gives you a good amount of things to think about. Uh, I, I think his versatility to step down inside is more notable than always. Uh, so I think you can get him more reps early on, even as he's learning to be the best version of himself. Uh, but I also need to know what Gregor Rousseau's weighing in at and, and all those kinds of things. What is, what is testing and explosive list looks like after a year off. So this is the group where it's like, I'm going to have questions for just about everybody. Carlos Basham from Wake, I know I mentioned this already. I wouldn't mind him in 81, but at the same time, it's like you're going to get the same player you had in Shaq Lawson. So if you're comfortable and okay with that, then great. Then we're in good shape. But you know, it, it feels like they're looking for an upgrade here, and I, I don't know what opportunities they're going to have to be able to cash one in. Last group today. Day two players at positions of need that if I'm the Dolphins, I'm blacklisting. I'm not blacklisting any of the edge guys other than probably Hamilcar Rashad and also Quincy Rochet. I just don't think Quincy's a great scheme fit for what Miami looks for and checks the boxes. Would I be upset if they drafted Quincy in the third round? No. But I, I don't think stylistically he's going to match. So linebackers, the last group we're going to do today, tackling positions of need, day two candidates, Who's getting blacklisted from the linebacker group? Some of the expected players. Baron Browning from Ohio State. Zaven Collins from Tulsa. I think there's an outside chance he ends up being there in the second round. Nick Bolton from Missouri. Cam McGrone from Michigan. Jabril Cox from LSU. Jamin Davis from Kentucky. Pete Werner from Ohio State. Dylan Moses from Alabama. Chaz Surratt, North Carolina. These last two names, I'm out. I'm out. Dylan Moses is a really tough sell. He has regressed significantly as a football player. Uh, missed 2019 with an injury. Played Mike in 2020. It seemed like it was because of the familiarity with the scheme, but he was not good in such a role. So didn't look as dynamic. He looked like he was kind of just like in, I'm going to survive, get through the season type mode. And for that reason, I'm out. Chaz Surratt, tiny. 6'1 and a half, 227 pounds. He had the bulk to get to 227, and then he ran slower than his time by like two-tenths of a second than what he was expected to at House of Athlete. I don't need a guy who can play in coverage that bad that I got to draft a guy who plays at 220. I see guys like Jamin Davis, if he's available. Jabril Cox. Zayvon Collins, Baron Browning, those guys playing in space. Even Cameron McGrone, you go back to, to McGrone in 2019 as a redshirt freshman, gave you something to work with in coverage. Notice the name I left off here is Nick Bolton. I think Nick Bolton is a pretty redundant version as a smaller player of Bernardrick McKinney, who is third-town value, uh, is mostly going to come in pressure situations. So I'm not going to blacklist Nick Bolton. I'm not going to blacklist Cameron McGrone, uh, but I, do, I think they bring a little less than some of these day two linebackers of Browning, Collins, Cox, and Jamin Davis. 
Uh, Jamin Davis is a really exciting player. The more I watch, the more I like. I think he's got a chance to sneak into the second round. If Miami feels compelled, 50 would kind of be the spot. I wouldn't I wouldn't be pegging a linebacker unless it's Baron Browning who can also give you rush off the edge or Zaven Collins who can give you rush off the edge. Those would be the two I think would be in consideration at 36. Everybody else would have to be a 50 candidate if you want a coverage linebacker who plays on the second level in space and can pair in nickel defense with Jerome Baker. But out of these day two linebackers, the only two that I'm like, no, I'm not interested for the Dolphins would be Dylan Moses and Chasseret. Hope you guys enjoyed a little bit more draft talk. We have plenty to talk about. It's always draft season. Uh, But I have something special planned for tomorrow. I'm going to tease it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I'm going to tell you to make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. Come back, see us again tomorrow. I am Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it locked in right here all week long, all off-season long, all year long. Your team every day.